There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. As we go this week, I want us to see God's love. It may not be pronounced and, and, and sticking out like a sore thumb in every message, but indeed, this book displays to us the love of God. That's why I've entitled it, Into the Heart of the Lord. And so we're going to be looking at this. But let's look at Jonah chapter number 1, verse number 3. Let's all stand out of honor and reverence to God's Word. Jonah 1 and verse number 3. Just one verse of Scripture this morning will be our thoughts. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You can be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I simply want to hang our thoughts this morning on this subject. You can run, but you can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. God, great and glorious are you, worthy of our praise. Oh, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Father, as we read from your word this morning, and as I try to give my best understanding of the sense of that word, we leave to you the task to speak, Lord. Speak to our hearts. God, we need not the voice that rings audibly from the heavens. We need uh, your word to speak to our hearts this morning. God, there are people here from every avenue of life and all different experiences with the house of God, all different backgrounds, all different family lives, but one common voice from God can speak to every one of our hearts. God, do so tonight. Take the foolishness of preaching, Father, and penetrate the heart of the lost. Those that stand in judgment, may I be to them the voice of Jonah crying that judgment is coming. Father, for those that are servants of you, that may be wayward, we're running from God. Please let us know this morning that we can run but we cannot hide. Father, we give you glory for what you do. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. In The Divine Intruder, James R. Edwards recounts the story of Wilmer McLean. He was a small farmer in the Shenandoah Valley in 1861. In the spring of that year, two powerful armies met on his property. The Union Army under the leadership of General McDowell, and the Confederate Army under General Beauregard. The bloodiest battle in American history began at Bull Run, a a creek that ran through McLean's property. Now McLean, the, the farmer, 
didn't really know what all the fighting was about. He didn't know why the armies were fighting, but he was quite sure that he did not want them fighting on his property. And if he could not change the course of the war, he at least did not want to have any part of it. So McLean said, that's it. I'm packing up. I'm selling my farm. And I'm going to go to the the most obscure, out-of-the-way place that I could possibly imagine. The most obscure place in the whole country, or so he thought. An old house in the village of Appomattox Courthouse in Virginia. Four years later, General Grant was pursuing General Lee through Virginia, and in Appomattox County, Grant sent a message to Lee asking him to meet and sign a truce. The place where they met to sign the truce that ended the Civil War was Wilmer McLean's living room. It seems the guy could not get away from the conflict between the North and the South. You know, very much the same way Jonah is trying to run from a conflict. A conflict with his desire, his will, and God's will. And what we learn from the story of Jonah, and particularly in the coming verses, is that you can't run. You can run, but you cannot hide from God. You see, the Lord always seems to have a way of catching up with our rebellion, such as with Jonah. In the previous verses, God has spoken to Jonah, singled him out as a, as a vessel for his mission, for his uh, mission of telling the impending judgment of God to Nineveh. But in verse 3, instead of Jonah snapping to attention, saluting and saying, Aye, aye, captain, he said, no way. He made, the, he made an exit out the back door at, from God, running in sin, running in rebellion, and running the opposite direction. You and I are made of the same stuff. Whatever was in the heart of Jonah that caused him to turn tail from the will of God to, to give a high Handed disobedience to God is in every one of us. We too are driven more out of fear than of faith. We're motivated by selfishness more than selflessness. We are more captivated by opportunity than by obedience. But no matter how we act like, uh, how we act like we've not heard the voice of God, no matter how we ignore the voice of God, no matter how we just flat refuse the Word of God, in the end, God has the last word. If you're here today and you have never come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, you may dismiss all of this story of Jonah and for that matter, the book of the whole Bible as just a book full of story tales. But I want to promise you, I want to promise you, God will have the last word. Mark my words. If you're here today and you're running from God, 
if you're enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season, I want you to understand something. One way or another, God has the last word. You can go your own way. You can run from God, but in the end, as we've read, uh, as we know earlier in the book of Numbers, your sin will find you out. God has a way of doing the most amazing search and rescue. He will never, never lose you. All of us here this morning can clearly see what running Jonah could not. That you can run from God, but you cannot hide from God. We can learn this by obeying a few instructions that I want to give you out of this verse. There are three in total. The first instruction of this, remember the duty that Jonah fled. Remember the duty that Jonah fled. Verse number 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. That phrase has everything to do with what God had said to him in verse number 2. God said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. The reaction of Jonah was a drastic one. We will see, we'll see later in the course, uh, in Jonah's course of destination about how far he was willing to run from the will of God, but, but what was it about Nineveh that caused so, so, caused Jonah to sail to basically the other side of the world to get away from it? What was it about this duty that God called him to that was so distasteful. Well, first of all, I want you to see it was a difficult appointment. A difficult appointment. God had divinely appointed. He had set aside Jonah to be that emissary of his conditions of complete surrender to the city of Nineveh. Jonah was to go in and give on no uncertain terms the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the contract of their surrender to God. Now, Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian nation. The Assyrians had been having their way with the people of God. This is a little bit of the background, but the Assyrians, uh, for quite some time now in Jonah's day, had been attacking the northern region of Israel. They've been making inroads into Israel, chipping away at what belonged to Israel. And, and, and at that time, Jonah was living, remember, in Nazareth, in, uh, near Nazareth, in the city uh, that he was from, uh, 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 the, uh, the city we learned last week, a, a northern city near, uh, near uh, Nazareth where Jesus grew up. And so they were getting nearer and nearer to where Jonah resided. At that time, Nineveh was the largest city in the world. In Jonah 4.11, the Bible says that there was 120,000 that, quote, could not, uh, cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand. Now, that phrase, could not discern, it's a Hebrew idiom, it's a it's a way of saying that there were 120,000 children, small children, that do not know their left hand from their right hand. Archaeologists' data reveals that the city had a population anywhere uh, from 
600,000 to over a million people. The city was enormous. It had defensive walls that were thick enough for three chariots to ride side by side on the upper walls of the city. Dotted along those walls were towers that rose up 200 feet above the ground. It was a foreboding city. And they were a cruel people. Their military victims would be tortured tortured and killed mercilessly. They would make large pyramids of the heads of their enemies. They would skin their enemies, displaying and display their bodies on spikes and take the skins of their enemies and plaster the walls of a defeated city. Uh, yes, Nineveh was a great city filled with a fierce people, but God wanted to show that He was greater than Nineveh. You know, God is greater than Nineveh. Now after God said that that great city, about notice that great city Nineveh, we read in the Bible that God followed those verses with the Lord sent out a great wind. The Lord sent out a great storm. The Lord sent out a great fish. Time and time again, God is showing that He is greater than the city of Nineveh. Listen, whatever God assigns you, however difficult an assignment you have from God, it is never enough that you cannot do it. Whatever God assigns you, whatever God commands you to do, you can know that God is greater than your difficulty. Listen, Jonah ran from God. We all know the story, right? Jonah gets swallowed by a fish, puked out on the beach. He says, aye, aye, captain, yes, sir. He goes to the, uh, the city of Nineveh. He gives a one-word message three days walking through the city. In 40 days, Nineveh will be taken. And so, and what, what happens? A miracle happens. The most unimaginable thing that could ever be conceived in the mind. Over a million people repented. Placed their trust in the God Jehovah. In the promise of a coming Messiah. Listen. Whatever God calls you to do. Whatever temptation that the Scripture says that you should say no to, God is able to deliver us from. Uh, uh, what is it? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation uh, given unto man. Uh, all, all temptation is common, and no temptation is given unto man that which is above what we are able, but God will, with that temptation, make a way of escape. Whatever God's called you to do. Whatever God commands us to do. Whatever God commands us to do. He commands you to read the Bible. Brother Ronnie, I just don't read. I'm not a good reader. I can't read you well. I just don't need... Listen, whatever God commands us to do, we can do. No matter how large the task. Whatever... What Grayson, wake up. Thank you. Whatever command that God gives us to do, we can do. Whatever God calls us to do. If God calls you to have a prayer life, have a prayer. you can have a prayer life. If God calls you to worship in the house of a God, you can do it. You can be faithful. You can be consistent. You can be pure, teenager. You can live godly, mom and dad. 
you can give your lives completely to God. Listen, I'm not talking about necessarily you being a missionary to Zimbabwe and eating monkey meat the rest of your life. I'm talking about basically what God calls you to do that you see is so difficult. Yet God, through Him, we can do it. We can do anything that God has called us to do. You don't have to run. You don't have to fear. You don't have to turn your back on God. Here, it was a difficult appointment. Also, it was a distasteful assignment. The Assyrians were a pagan people that worshipped the idols often associated with the Canaanite people. You know, the Canaanite people that worshipped Baal, Ishtar, and Moloch. Well, that's what they worshipped, but Marduk and Ishtar. They were pagan gods who were associated with the uh, Ishtar and Mordok. Uh, Marduk is associated with the name of the city Nineveh. According to their mythology, Ishtar met Mordok, they had a child, and that child's name is similar to the city of Nineveh. Dagon was the preeminent god in the city of Nineveh. It was a fish god that was depicted by a half man and half fish. So to Jonah, such a people were unclean and vile. Jonah didn't want to have anything to do with them. To Jonah, it is sure sure that God would be merciful uh, uh, to Israel and the Jews. Hey, Jonah said, man, I'm so thankful God's merciful to me and God's merciful to Israel. We are His chosen people, but those people. He didn't want them to have God's mercy. They were murderers of His own people. They were were a nation that were the aggressors coming in to take Israel's land, to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, 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 to capture them, to kill them. And so... Uh, and so God could be merciful in the Israelites. God could show kindness to the Jews, but not the Assyrians. Good night. Those wicked warlike people, there's no way God should be merciful to him. You know, some scholars uh, believe that Jonah, who lived in that northern part of Israel, may have had friends and family who had been slain and tortured, even captured by these savage people uh, known as the Assyrians. This was very distasteful. I don't want to go down there. I don't want to go to Assyria. They hate me. They don't want to kill me. They don't like me. I mean, picture yourself. You're reading your devotions one morning and all of a sudden says, God says to you, I want you to go to Iran. Cry against that nation. It has come up before me. And those are people that hate me. Those are the people that burn the flag of my nation. Those are the people that have missiles pointed at us. Why? No way. It was a distasteful, it was a distasteful assignment. I can imagine Jonah, Jonah looking from a hillside in the direction of Nineveh and wrinkling his nose. No way. No way. And yet when Jesus looked upon multitudes of people that were going to and fro as sheep having no shepherd. What do we find Him? That He was moved with compassion. What are we to draw from this? 
What are we to draw from the assignment that God gave him, the appointment that God, God gave him? From all outward indications, we are no match for what God calls us to do. Hey, I'll tell you something. You're no match for a prayer life. You're no match for in-depth Bible reading or just plain reading of the Bible. You're no match for living a holy life. The spiritual disciplines of the Bible, a Bible reading, prayer, giving, worship, they don't come naturally. The holy life we're commanded uh, to live in this world is seemingly impossible. The personal callings that God places on each and every one of us of our lives lay so far outside of our own abilities that our first instinct might well be what Jonah's was and it was to run. But if the Bible tells us anything, if the Bible tells us, uh, if the Bible tells, tells us that where God guides, God provides. That the will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep. When God led Abraham, Abraham, take your son Isaac and slay him on Mount Moriah. Aye, aye, sir. An impossible task for Abraham to do, but in faith he trusted God. And what did God do? He provided something to make a sacrifice in the stead, uh, in the stead of his son Isaac. An impossible task. Noah, at a hundred years of age, build an ark. And preach for me an impossibility, an impossible task. And yet God through Noah made that a reality. It happened. Peter, Peter, the one who is impetuous, the one who stick his foot in his mouth all the time, the one that always has the unique talent of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, the one who denied the Lord Jesus on the very day of His execution. Who would ever dream that God could have used him on the day of Pentecost to reach 3,000 people? Moses was a, a stuttering fugitive of 80 years old. How in the world could God use him? But God led his people out of captivity through that man. If you will trust God, if you will trust God and rely on him, that the duty that He has called us to, will never, it may lie outside the bounds of your ability, but it will never lie outside the bounds of His ability. What does Paul say in Philippians 2.13? For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. It's not you doing it. It's not you reaching your Nineveh. It's not you fulfilling your command from God. It is God fulfilling God's commands through you. And that's the secret to the Christ life. That's the secret to the... That is the, not a secret. There are no secrets. It's all plain and given to us in God's Word. But if there is ever one thing that it seems like so many believers are blinded to, is that God works through you. It's not you alone. You're not alone in this. God had all the ability in the world to use Jonah without ever having to put him in a fish to reach the people of Nineveh. God can use you. God can work through you. Why are you running from God? 
Notice second of all, remember the duty that Jonah fled, but also review the departure that Jonah found. A few years ago in New Zealand, two inmates were handcuffed together and they were awaiting their court hearings at the courthouse. Although they were handcuffed together, the pair decided to make a break for it. They managed to make it outside the courthouse, down the steps to the street. In their franticness, they turned and ran down the sidewalk, but unfortunately, one on one side of the light pole and the other one on the other side of the light pole. As they went past the light pole, the handcuffs caught and smacked them together. They both lay on the sidewalk completely knocked out. And the police got them. Escapes don't always happen as they plan. Uh, although this attempt at running from God might have made sense in Jonah's mind, the Lord did not lose breath catching up to Jonah. Notice first of all, I want you to see the exit of his removal in verse number 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. Notice Jonah's deduction was that I will remove myself from the equation. I will put so much distance between me and God's will that it will never happen. Instead of going north to Nineveh, he went south to Joppa. Jonah is simply telling God no. No. If Jonah turned up his lip to Nineveh because they were a godless people, then evidently Jonah should not have been able to stand the stench of his own person because he is acting like a godless person. He's not acting like there's a God in heaven. Jesus said it plainly, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Meaning, you can't call me Lord and say, no. No, I'll not live a pure and chaste life. No, I'll not live a godly life. No, I'll, I'll not be honest with my employer and honest with my family. No, I will do what I want to do. Jonah is acting like a godless person. Also, when we arrive, he arrived at Joppa, he found a ship to Tarshish. I don't think Jonah had any idea that he would go end up going to Tarshish. I think he just wanted to get on a boat and get as far away from God's will as he could. Far away from Nineveh as he could. And so here is, here is Jonah. He's, he's making his way uh, down the boardwalk and he, he's, he's looking for different places to go. And all of a sudden there is Tarshish, a ship going to Tarshish. Jonah was making plans to try to get away uh, from God as quick as he could. Notice, first of all, we see not only his exit from, from his removal. I like, what, oh, I like what Matthew Henry said about Jonah as he's looking for a way to escape. Matthew Henry said this, Providence seemed to give him an opportunity to escape. We may be out of the way of duty, 
and yet may meet a favorable gale. The ready way is not always the right way. As he walks down through, here is an open door. God must be wanting me to go. God, I must be confused about what God's wanting me to do because obviously God's will is for me to take this boat to, uh, to Tarshish. I mean, it's all set. They got, a pl- they got a seat with my name on it. You know, if you want to run from God, the devil will make it absolutely easy to do. He'll make every opportunity for you to run from God. He'll make every ship available to get you as far away from God as you possibly could. Hey, what about you? Are you running from God? Are you running from God? Has God found you out today? Are you running from God? Are you looking for the fastest way to get as far away from God as you possibly can? That is what Jonah was doing. And here is his avenue. Satan has provided the absolute best way to get away from God. Are you running from God this morning? Satan has aided and abandoned how far you've run from God. You've heard his gospel call since your early days of life. You know what it means to be saved. You know, you know what it means to come uh, to a Savior. You know what it means to uh, what Jesus died for you and what He did for you on the cross and how He's raised from the grave. But you're running from that this morning. Running. 21 years of my life, I ran from the gospel call. I'd known what the gospel was since the early days of my Sunday school upbringing. I knew there was a God that loved me. I knew He's one one that died for me. But I ran and ran and ran. Are you running today? Are you running from God today? The exit of His removal, also the expense of His wrath. Look at verse number 3. So He paid the fare thereof and went down into it. Notice, we see that Jonah paid the fare. You know, I believe that if he had decided to go to Nineveh like God told him to, he'd have gone free. He'd have gone, he'd have gone in class one, best way. God would have taken care of everything to get to Nineveh. But, but no, no, Jonah had to not only pay his own way, but when God got a hold of the nap of the neck and dragged him back to Nineveh, he had to go baggage. Amen. I mean, the worst way you can go back to Nineveh is in the belly of a fish. Here, he pays the fare. The sad reality is that many people don't understand that running from God will always cost you more than running toward God. It's going to cost you more in your lifetime. It's going to cost you more in the expense of scars and pain and anguish and misery running from God than you will have ever paid running toward God. Jonah paid the full price for a trip to Tarshish that he had never arrived to. He would pay even more in body and in mind before he arrived back in, in arrived back uh, 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 arrived back in, in the will of God. Jonah also Jonah was a man of God. Listen, God just doesn't call a novice to be to be someone that would be his witness for an entire people. God doesn't call a novice for an assignment like this. No doubt Jonah was an upright man. No doubt Jonah was a godly man. A man that loved, and up to this point, obeyed God. And yet in one afternoon, he threw every bit of that out the window. 
whatever, whatever godly progress he had made, whatever spiritual capital that he had gained in his life as a believer in God, Yahweh, and a follower of God, he threw overboard in a high-handed disobedience. In the end, Jonah would do the will of God. He would eventually do what he sold everything and traded everything to get out of. He would do. But the price that he paid would be far greater than if he had obeyed in the first place. Alexander White said this, No booking clerk could have told Jonah what what it was actually going to cost him to get on board. Running away from God is always costly business. For some of us this evening and this morning, some of us are running, going hand over fist, running from God. And when in the end, it will cost us far more than if we just obeyed God. It will cost us years of misery, broken marriages, severed relationships, financial collapse, and on and on and on. And if we would just do God's will now, would say, save yourself some pain. Obey God now. Don't follow Jonah down to Joppa. Don't follow Jonah to Tarshish. It never pays to run from God. The expense of his route, the exit of his removal, the extent of his reach. Notice, it says that Jonah was going to Tarshish. He fled to Tarshish and he, he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it. Tarshish was a seaport colony on the southwest course or coast of Spain. So think about that. Here's, here's Israel in the Middle East, and there's the Mediterranean, and up here is Nineveh. Out here, way out here, is Tarshish on the coast of Spain. On the far outside. Instead of taking a 500 mile journey to Nineveh, Jonah headed to a place some 2,000 miles away. The city was on the far fringe of the then known world. By his actions, Jonah is saying, I want to get as far from the will of God as I can. And although he never arrived there, even if he had, it would not have been far enough. He could have gone to the new world. He could have, he could have sailed the Atlantic and arrived in America and still not gotten away from his God. You know, I've seen people who once sat on church pews end up on bar stools. I've seen men that, that, uh, that filled pulpits end up in back alleys popping pills. I, I've seen people that used to teach classes to married couples end up in divorce court. I, I, I've seen them run from God as far as they can. I've been, I, then there have been those that have been mad at God, mad at the church, and swore they'd never darken the door of a church again. And used to be deacons, used to be leaders, choir directors. And now they sit at home every Sunday 
claiming to hold a ticket to heaven and saying no to what God commands. And in the end, the high price of low living caught up with them. And the word of the Lord returned and spoke again. You can run, but you cannot hide. You can go and try to get as far away from God as you possibly can. But God has a way. God has a way of laying hold of your attention, of shaking you to your core, of waking you from your stupor, and drawing you back to Himself. You cannot wander so far that the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, cannot find you. We've seen the departure that Jonah found. His exit, his expense, and his extent. How far he's willing to go. Is that you tonight? You've heard all your life about church. You've heard all your life about Jesus. But I tell you what, I'm going to try to get as far. Some of you, listen, some of you young people, some of, it may well be, you're sitting in this church, you think, man, when I, get, when I get my age where I'm out of this house, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to, nobody's going to drag me to church anymore. Nobody's going to make me enter a house of God. That was me. Nobody's going to make me go to church when I go to college. I'll go when I want to go, if I want to go. You're here this, evening, this morning and you're saying to yourselves, nobody's going to, I'm going to get as far away from God as I possibly can. I want you to understand something, that you won't be able to get away from God. That there are no depths of New York City's gutter that you could ever run away from God. There's no mountain in Montana that you could follow and flee to where you cannot, where God cannot reach you. Notice not only the departure that Jonah found, the duty that Jonah fled, but also we must recall the detail that Jonah forgot. Jonah packed his bags and he headed down to Joppa. I can see him asking all of the ships on the dock, hey, where are you heading today? We're going to Cyprus. Eh, where are you heading today? We're going to uh, Rome. Where are you heading today? We're headed down to Egypt. Where are you going today? We're going to Tarshish. Oh, that's what I need. Just as far away from God as I can get. Far enough, and far enough from God that by the time God catches up to me, time will be up for Nineveh. Later on, I believe in the message, God told Jonah not only to go to Nineveh and cry against it, I told him, they got 40 days. 40 days and it's over. It's like Jonah's watching his watch. If I can run far enough, if I can run far enough, time will be up. And God will take every one of those heathen, heathen Ninevites and throw them into hell. If I can just run far enough. If I can just run away from God, that by the time He catches up to me, uh, there'll be nothing else He can do. And the text says that He fled from the presence of the Lord. You see, in his, in his hurry to get away from God, Jonah forgot one tiny detail. God is everywhere. God is everywhere. You can't run from God. There's not a place on this planet that He is not. Notice, I want you to notice in, his, uh, in the detail he forgot, notice this, a significant descent. Look back at verse number 3. 
And Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went, notice the word, down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish and he paid the fare of and went down into it. If you go back down to, I think it's verse number number 6, it says that he was down. Uh, then the mariners, were, verse number 6, and the shipmen came to him and said, what, a, what else, sleeper rise? Verse number 5 then. And the mariners were afraid and cried to every man unto his God, cast forth that uh, there and lighten it. And Jonah had gone, notice Jonah had gone down in the sides of the ship. And later on talks about when Jonah's in the belly of the fish, it went down to the bottom of the sea. Down, 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 down. The picture is of a descent, not only physically, but spiritually. When we run from God, we will always be going downhill. I've started my running again during my lunch break. The only place I can find to run that I like, that is rather pleasing as far as the, is Stringer's Ridge. Well, if you've been on Stringer's Ridge, you know it's all uphill. Good night. I, uh, I hate running uphill. I mean, I'll get 20 yards and then I'll, I have to stop walking. And I'll get 20 more yards and I'll have to stop walking. And then I, I try to make, I tell you what, I keep thinking, man, on the way down though, I'm going to make some good time getting back. And so, when I'm running back down, boy, I can just, I, man, I go, I look like a sprinter. Hey, man, I look like somebody should be on an Olympic team. <laughs> running down that hill, it's easy. It's e- I can get all the way home. I mean, it's easy going downhill. You know, going away from God, Satan will always make it easy. He'll always make sure there's a ship going to Tarshish. He'll always make sure you've got enough money to pay for a trip to Tarshish. He'll, all, he'll make it easy for you to go down into the hold, to go down into the ship, to get as far away from God as you can. It's downhill. Satan always makes it easy to go downhill. Down into sin. Down into rebellion. Down into darkness. Down into hell. If you're here without Christ, you don't know Him. God is, Satan will make it easy as possible for you to end up in hell. He will grease the tracks He'll make it as fast and as furious as He possibly can to take you to a devil's hell. Down. 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 If you're running from God's saving grace, it is an easy trek to the mouth of hell. If you're running from the will of God, it is an easy walk to spiritual and personal ruin. You may try to tell yourself that you are moving up in the world when in reality you're going in the opposite direction. But I want you to understand something that we learn from the story of Jonah that the presence of the Lord cannot be escaped. Even though Jonah went down to Joppa and down into the ship and down into the hold and down into the ocean and down into a fish's belly, And down to the floor of the sea, God was there. God was there. God was there. And and, and, and within within the prayer of a within the breath of a prayer, God was there. You listen to something. You may run. You may you may ignore this preacher and say, No, I'll not give in to Christ. No, I'll not do what he wants me to do. Mark my words, when you find yourself so far from God, you don't even know yourself anymore. There's a God that is there. He's never lost sight of you. He's never, you're, you've never 
outlasted the grip of His grace. You've never outlasted them the reach of His mercy. He's always there. He'll be there. He is there. You may pay a hefty price. You may pay it with a lot of scars and a lot of mental anguish, a lot of broken heart. There's not a heart He cannot mend. There's not a life that He can't put together. You may be here this morning and matter, matter of fact, you are down in the ship and down in the fish's belly and as down as far seemingly as from God as you could get. Listen, God is there. He's there. He's with you. He sees you. You can't get away from His presence. A significant descent. A short-sighted direction. Twice in verse number 3. Jonah's intent was to leave the presence of the Lord. But there's no place in this planet, in this universe, where God is absent. Psalm 139, 7-10, the psalmist said, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the earth, even there thy hand shall lead me, and thy right hand shall uphold me. There are no depths in your running from God that will ever exceed God's grace to rescue and restore you. There is no length in your running that will ever exceed the boundary of God's love and His kindness towards you, and His desire for what is best for you. God's best, however difficult, however disciplined, however hard it would have been, God's best for Jonah was Nineveh. Not Tarshish. It was Nineveh. Into the heart of a hating, hatred nation. Into the heart of a wicked people. That was God's best for Jonah. God's best for you is always in His will. God will let you go all the way down to the bottom of the sea and pay an unimaginable price of pain and suffering. But that will not prevent His intervening. You're never lost from the sight of a living God. Several years ago, an eastern paper reported this story. One evening a woman was driving home when she noticed a huge truck behind her that was driving very uncomfortably close. The woman began to speed up to put some distance between her and the truck. The truck only got faster. Maintaining a very short distance. She, she, her speed kept increasing, kept increasing and the truck was right behind her all the time. She began to panic. She took the exit ramp off into the city, hoping that the truck would go past her. But to her horror, the truck followed her off of the off-ramp. She tried to, she tried to get to a stoplight and sit through the green to the last second, go across so that the truck would be held up by a stoplight. It ran the stoplight to get right behind her. It would not lose her right behind her the whole time. She, in panic, she frantically pulled into a gas station, 
opened the door and began screaming as she ran from the car. Somebody help me. This crazy truck driver is gonna, he's gonna kill me. He's gonna, he's trying to get me. The truck driver exited the truck. He opened the back door of her car and pulled out a man from the back, pinned him to the ground and held his arms and said, somebody call the police. There was a man in the back of her car that she didn't know was there that he could see from his vantage point above her car. The man was not, was not trying to do her harm. She was running as fast as she could to get a away from him, and all he had was her good in mind. God's the same way with you. You look behind you and you see a God, you see a God that will, will, will demand that you live by a certain rule of life, that will demand that you live a life of holiness and purity, that will demand your repentance and trust in Him, and in reality He is trying to save you. Whatever He calls and commands you to do, He'll he'll more than empower you to do it. Wherever He calls you in this life, He has more than ability to help you accomplish it. And you're running from God and He's trying to save you. Trying to save you. Trying to save your life. Trying to save your purity. Trying to save you from scars. Trying to save you from ruined lives. Trying to save you from heartbreak. Trying to save you uh, uh, from from all of the wickedness of this world, all of the scars, all of the pain, all of the suffering. Are you running from God? You are never going to lose Him. Because He has, his be- he has your best interest at heart. Stop running today. Whether you're running from a call to Antarctica or to a call to Argentina or to call to, to Brazil or, or, what, or you're just running because you don't want to read your Bible and you don't want to pray and you don't want to worship regularly and you don't want to give and you're running from God. So stop running today. I ran from God for an entire year. God actually called me to preach. We were... Uh, I was, we were teaching at a junior high Sunday school class. And that summer we went with a bunch of junior hires to a, a, to a uh, just a retreat, a camp for young people. And uh, I remember sitting in a room uh, during a, a time of prayer and, and, a, and a teaching for the, the leaders and uh, just clear as day. I mean, I, did, I heard no audible voice. But God just birthed it in me. That I, I need to preach. That, I, that I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a preacher. God's called me to preach. And I'm like, man, that's what's supposed to, junior hires are supposed to do that here, not the, not the leaders, not the adults. No way, man. I, I, in, in, in the ninth grade, I had to take a speech class and I had to give a three-minute talk. I made it through a minute before I bawled in tears and left the room. I can't stand up in front of people. Are you kidding me? For a solid year. A solid year I ran from God. And Carrie can testify, God about killed me. Killed me with the mental anguish of running from God, the guilt. Hey, he, he, he dealt with my heart. I couldn't be close to God because, because I wouldn't obey Him. I'd try to, God, I'll do this and I'll do that, but oh God, I can't do that. I'd try to be close to God and I just kept getting further and further from Him. God touched my... God touched my body. 
during that summer before I surrendered to preach, God lost all, well, number one, I had a stroke and no, nobody really knew it. Had a stroke, lost, the, lost my voice, lost my, my, the use of my hand. There's moments where I couldn't walk. I, I, I was like a cripple, man. I went home from work because I could not work. I finally had to come to the place in a Bible study in my room when God backed me in the corner somewhat in the belly of a whale said, why don't you do what I want you to do? You're willing to trade all that I have prepared for you, your best in mind, because you have hang-ups about getting in front of people. Listen, listen to me. Whatever God calls you to do, He'll empower you to do if you'll respond in faith. I, I think if Jonah would just simply have responded, Lord, I don't know how. This is impossible. I don't know how. But yes, I trust you. Abraham trusted God. Noah trusted God. Moses trusted God. Trust God. Don't run. Don't run from God. He has your best at heart. Let's all stand to our feet as we come to a song of invitation. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Listen. The story of Nineveh is a story in which their sin had come up before God. What that indicates is that God's long-suffering had ended. Sure enough, 40 days from that moment, God was going to destroy Nineveh. It was going to be over. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you don't know when that hour is. It is appointed a man wants to die and after this the judgment. You don't know when that appointment is. And your sin, your rebellion against God, your no, you're saying no to the gospel, has become a stench in His nostrils. Your sin. Your your fist-shaking spittle in his face. I'll live the way I please. I'll do what I want. Is a stench in his nostril. And you don't know that you may be on the precipice of a 40-day ultimatum. Today. It may start today. I may be your Jonah. In 40 days, it's all over. In 40 days, if you do not repent, if you don't trust Christ, it'll all be over. Judgment will come. I don't know. I do know this. Running from God will bring you nothing but to destruction. If you're here today and you're saved by God's grace, you know, but there are things, there are things that Brother Ronnie preaches, there are things that Brother Ronnie talks about that you just, no, no. There are, there are personal callings that God has dealt with you about. That you just plainly say, no, no, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You, you can't pick and choose with Almighty God. Why well, I call you me Lord and do not the things that I say. Why don't you come and get right with God today and say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach what you've called me to do in faith. I, it doesn't make a lick of sense. It's completely different, contrary to what I know is my character and my ability. But God, I trust you. I will, I'll, I'll do it. I'll follow you. 
I'll read the Bible. I will start praying. I will, I will, be, I will begin to tell people about Jesus. I, I, will, I will attend regularly uh, the worship of God. I, 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 this is it, God. I, I, want, I want to believe you. I want to trust you. Help me, Father. Won't you come do that today? If you're here today and you're lost, you don't know the Lord Jesus, you make it right with Him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we love you. I thank you for the Lord Jesus. God, I pray for hearts in this room that may well be running. Spiritually speaking, they are out of breath. They are, they are running just as hard and as far from God as they can. Wake them up, Father. God, show them. Show them the heavy price that they'll pay. Jonah paid such a heavy price. They had no idea he was paying. God, show these folks here that they can trust the Lord Jesus. They can trust Him for saving faith, Father. They can come and believe the gospel repenting of an old life and yielding their life to Jesus Christ so they can, they can come. as, as they, they, They've yielded, Father, but they want to come in obedience and, and, and not living so, so selfwardly, but God giving and obeying You, listening to Your voice and saying, Aye, aye, Captain. God, I pray You do that in hearts today. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Page number 371. Have thine own way, Lord. 371. Jonah would not let the Lord have his way. Why don't you let the Lord have his way in your heart? Let God have his way. Stop running from God. When you're going to learn, you've got to do what God says. You've got to follow the Lord. Stop I'm trusting to We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The unseen hand